Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Finance in a Flash, presented by Beacon Financial Strategies. I'm your host, John Motto, and today I'm joined again by Chip Heimiller. How are you doing, Chip? John, doing great. It's uh, It seems to be springtime already, and here it's, it's February, so I don't know what's going on, but I'm not complaining. Yes, us us people um, who are familiar with North Carolina weather uh, frequently refer to this period in time as fake spring. Um, right. Yes. <laughs> so and there might be several fake springs, right? Yes. So who knows? Next week we could back be back into winter number two before we get yeah. to real spring. You yeah. know, it just jumps around over here, but it sure has been nice to uh, not have to bundle up to go outside. It's not really normal for in February, but hey, I'll take it. I know, right? I'm I'm loving it too. It's 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 uh, great to see the sunshine as well. So you know, no complaints from me. Yeah, it seems like every time I have to go outside, though, it's raining and cold. And I know. Then, uh, it's funny how that works. You know, <laughs> the weekends, it's rainy. And, uh, you know, the, during the week when we're kind of trapped in the office, it's it's beautiful outside. Yeah. So, you know, and we're, and we're getting internally, we're getting geared up for tax season. So, um, you know, it's hard when there's nice weather. It's a little bit hard for, you know, the people who are really immersed into tax uh, prep work. To, to get too excited, they kind of get angry. So we, we don't like to rub, John and I are kind of removed from that process, but, um, but we try to help out, you know, we, we, we want to keep the, the, uh, the vibe high in the office, right? Yes. And we try not to rub it in if we get to go outside and they don't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Chip, last episode, we wrapped up our series on estate planning. Over the course of the estate planning series, we covered a lot of different topics. We talked about asset titling, wills, probate, revocable trust. We talked about common types of trust. Um, most of these episodes are in like the 10 to 15 minute range. Um, they're short episodes, but we cover a lot of great information and hopefully we, we can provide some clarity and, um, and peace of mind on some complicated topics. So if you haven't uh, listened to those episodes, um, definitely give those a listen. Don't you think, Chip? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, as you're spouting out, you know, probate and trust and all that, I just I kind of got excited again. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I should go back and relive that. So, uh, yeah, they're they're great, informative uh, podcasts, and hopefully people take a, a, a nugget or two away and at least, you know, become a little bit more informed. That's what that's what our hope is. Yes, definitely. So moving on to the topic of today, we're going to be talking about something we've gotten a lot of questions about, especially here recently, uh, money markets. So with the Federal Reserve Board hiking interest rates significantly over the last year or so, um, I think a lot of investors, you know, it's mind has kind of gotten triggered and say, oh, interest rates are going up. Um, so the rate of my money market account uh, should have followed suit. Well, in some cases, that's been true, and in others, not so much, but we'll, we'll kind of touch on that later. Um, but before we dive in too deep to this, Chip, could you start us off by telling our listeners a little bit more about what a money market is? Yeah, so a money market fund is simply a, um, a very short term, and a lot of times it's considered a cash equivalent, right, where the the principal value really doesn't fluctuate. It doesn't go down. So, you know, and I, when I look behind the scenes of money market and look at what a money market fund or a money market might invest in is very short term, very highly liquid uh, fixed income investments, things like commercial paper, uh, very short term investments like that uh, with the idea that, you know, you earn a little bit 
you know, earn some interest on that over time. So, um, but money market funds are very conservative um, investments that, uh, and really it's, it's, a, it's, it's an investment, but it's a, not a necessarily a long-term investment in my mind. But, um, but for sometimes, you know, I think what we're, what a lot of our clients who are retired, you know, they, they need to keep some level of emergency savings uh, on hand. And so, you know, just having that bucket of liquidity is super important in their situation. And so, you know, it's important to over time just really to evaluate where returns are and and see if we need to make some changes there. Yeah, Chip, and you, you kind of touched on it a little bit there, but how could how can money markets be used or in what situations could they be beneficial? Yeah, so in my mind, money market is your liquidity bucket. It's the thing that you kind of have. The purpose is not returns. It is liquidity. However, you know, if, if you can, if one money market has a little bit of a uh, higher interest rate than another, then I mean, that's you, you should explore that. But really, the purpose of this bucket of emergency fund, uh, and usually that is invested in money market, uh, is liquidity. That's the primary goal there. We we want that money to be on hand, easy to access um, at, at a moment's notice. Right. And so would that amount that um, is in a money market, would that be covered by FDIC insurance? Yeah. So the FDIC, that's important um, comment because, you know, FDIC insurance does cover uh, banks that undergo the uh, unlikely event of a bank failure. Um, it, it has happened in the past, uh, but, you know, the government kind of says, well, if there is a bank failure, uh, then we will step in and um, make investors whole up to certain FDIC coverage levels. Right now, every depositor is allowed uh, up to $250,000 for a bank. So, you know, um, not many people, uh, you know, leave that much money in a bank, I hope. Uh, but there are some situations where it is warranted, and uh, but that's that's kind of the FDIC uh, insurance limits. Yeah, and I think that's while unlikely, it's still important to know and something to cover um, cover your bases on. So, Chip, we've discussed this a little bit earlier. You mentioned some kind of some varying rates at um, places, you know, different banks. You know, I kind of checked with my local bank, and their rate maybe is a little bit different than some of these online banks that seem to be getting, you know, have some pretty good rates. And I think we've gotten a lot of questions about this because they're kind of new and kind of the new trendy things. Like, are online banks safe? Or are they easy to set up, easy to use? Or, you know, can you can you give us some information on that? Yeah, they. I think they're they're definitely safe. I think that the ease of use question is is dependent on the the person. But in my mind, they're they're very easy to use. It's just there's no brick and mortar um, bank. You can't go down to a, a branch office and speak with someone that sort of thing. It's just an online bank. Uh, but you know, really, for the purposes of this liquidity bucket, especially for retirees and, and people who carry um, a sizable money market balance it's very important to scrutinize uh, the money market interest rates. And, you know, if we can get, uh, you know, a 1% difference on this bucket, that could be a big amount. I mean, if you think about people who carry a hundred thousand dollars in a money market account, well, a 1% difference is a thousand dollars. And, you know, we were recently looking at commercial banks like bank of America and 
PNC and, you know, um, Wells Fargo. And they were, you know, the interest rates were just ridiculous given, given where current interest rates are. You know, I think somewhere in the, you know, under under 1% for sure. And then when we look over at an online bank, you know, banks like Ally and uh, Lending Club and uh, Synchrony is some, you know, they're they're yielding, you know, three and a half percent plus. You know, even when I looked at my, you know, I'm a state employees credit union person, but, you know, their money market rates are, are better than like Wells Fargo and Bank of America, but they're still compared to like an online bank. It's, it's really, uh, really low. So, you know, I think people should owe it to themselves to explore uh, other institutions if they can get a little bit higher interest rates. Now, I think it's important to understand you know, because some there's catches with certain things, right? So I know that we talk about this in the office. You know, if you, you know, sometimes certain things are restricted, right? So, you know, I'll give you an example. Sometimes there's higher minimum balances. Sometimes there's withdrawal, uh, number of withdrawal limits. So maybe you can only have, you know, 10 withdrawals a month or something. So, you know, banks, you just need to be aware of those. And sometimes there's fees that you need to be aware of too. Um, but, you know, still, I, and I'll say that uh, bankrate.com does a pretty good job of evaluating a lot of these online banks and providing those, um, you know, limitations and some of the cons. So it looks at both the pros and the cons and helps you decide, hey, this one's uh, an important and a good institution and will work, work for me. And I think that, you know, John, what most people do is they will connect their online bank with their commercial bank. So if they bank with Wells Fargo and they have their checking account there, um, you know, they'll simply create an online uh, connection between, you know, a, an ally and a, uh, you know, their, their Wells Fargo account. And that way they can move funds back and forth. Uh, it's just as simple as that. And so to me, there's, there's no real negative with online banks, unless you're the type of person who really uh, enjoys going down to the bank, talking with the tellers and, um, you know, which is not very many people, honestly, now, nowadays, it's just um, banking is no longer kind of this personal uh, service. I can't remember the last time I walked into a bank and someone actually recognized me and kind of knew my name. So I, I to me, it's, it's a transaction and you just need to look for the best rate. Yeah. And it's, it's always important to, to periodically review that, you know, your banking relationship, especially as circumstances change. Um, you know, I think you made a lot of great points in there. Um, something that kind of goes hand in hand. I think when we're talking, we're, we talked a little bit about emergency funds and I think people kind of, this is in the same conversation. A lot of the times is um, I bonds. We've got a lot of questions about I bonds and is it ever appropriate to utilize I bonds in an emergency fund? Well, it is, but it depends on the situation. And I think people need to understand, you know, with any um, financial decision, you kind of need to understand the pros and cons because there's always uh, a con with, with the pros. So, you know, but I think I-bonds are something that some people should consider for this liquidity bucket. Now, keep in mind that I-bonds and some of the, the, the one of the worst things with I-bonds is there's a one-year period of illiquidity, right? So if you put money into an I-bond and you need it uh, within a year, you're out of, kind of out of luck. There's not a lot you can do there. You know, once you surpass that 
that one year period though, it's there, they can be kind of nice, you know, the, the liquidity, there is a slight liquidity penalty. If you, you know, redeem, um, if you redeem uh, the I-bond uh, within the first five years, there's a, there's like a three month interest penalty, but that's, that's really not that big of a deal. But um, to me, the biggest negative with I-bonds is just that one year where you can't access the funds. The good part about I-bonds is, you know, right now the interest rate is, I think it's like 6.89%, mm-hmm. uh, which is is really nice. Um, I mean, it just trumps the, um, you know, commercial banks and, and even online banks in a big way. And so, and we have articles on, on our website about I-bonds and um, and I think that, you know, you can always go to treasurydirect.gov and that's your, uh, you can learn all about these uh, I-bonds. That's a, and that's really, and really you can't buy I-bonds at like a brokerage firm right. or, or a commercial bank. You have to go directly with the U.S. Treasury uh, to get those. And, the, you know, honestly, the website's a little cumbersome, but, you know, for some people, it's very worthwhile um, to go through that process and understand what I-bonds are. And um, and really consider that as a component of their, you know, kind of their liquidity strategy. Yeah, I think that those are some great points. And I bonds are something we've we've heard a lot about recently. Um, and so I, I think it's great that we're able to kind of give our listeners a little insight about what those are and how they might be utilized. So, Chip, um, how, how do you think about cash when it comes from a perspective of an investment portfolio, how do you think about maybe a money market or, or something like that when it when you're talking about your investment portfolio as a whole? Yeah, so to me, you have to kind of take a little bit of a step back and think about uh, your financial plan. You know um, how much, and that's where you you realize things like how much you should keep in uh, an emergency fund, right? So how how much should be there? Like, what's the magic number? And, uh, and we go through this with clients and kind of give um, uh, some ideas, but sometimes it's just people like to keep a certain amount to feel like um, they have control over certain elements of their life. And I, I certainly appreciate that. Um, to me, money market is along with I-bonds and, um, you know, that's really a component of the liquidity bucket, the short-term bucket uh, when it comes to you know, the overall portfolio to me, you know, cash is, is, can be a small component of that, but if really, if you look historically at returns, you know, your cash is really the lowest returning asset class um, that, that there is. And so you don't really want to use that as a, a major strategy, but at times it can make sense, right? So, and now might be one of those times where it is appropriate to have some um, allocation to, you know, say a, a, a money market fund at a, a brokerage uh, brokerage firm that you kind of have to buy into. Um, and I know that, you know, we use Charles Schwab for clients and, and TD Ameritrade as well. And they have, you know, money market funds that you kind of have to buy into. Now, they're not as convenient as an online bank where you can money move money to and fro directly in one day um, to your bank account. But um, it's not uh, that inconvenient to own some uh, have some money market allocation in a brokerage account, especially when the idea is that you know who knows what when the Fed's going to kind of ease their um, interest rate hike uh, policy, and so 
you know, to me, it, it can be a small component. I know that for, for us right now, we may have some client exposure in a money market fund, but we're, we're, we're kind of waiting a little bit to see how long um, and really what the Fed does before we go back into our kind of neutral fixed income allocation. So um, it can be a component for some people, but I, you know, honestly, you know, some advisors might say, oh, well, you know, we're going to, they kind of use it as a timing approach, you know, oh, we're in cash now, we're waiting for better opportunities. And, um, and I really don't think that's a very uh, good long-term strategy to me, you know, you, you know, any cash should be on deck money for distributions or withdrawals. And that's really how we incorporate that into our uh, philosophy. So if a client's taking, you know, monthly withdrawals, we may keep, you know, three or six months in something pretty short-term that earns a little bit, but but again, it's the purpose is is liquidity, even for that money, and not really return. Um, but you really don't want to overweight cash, in my opinion. Just it's not a very sound long term investment strategy. Right. Um, and I think that you made some really good points there. I mean, it's all about thinking about what the what the financial plan says, what you need, right? Do you have any upcoming liquidity needs? And also, what is what is the goal of your particular um, situation? Is it or the particular investment? You know, for for our fixed income, you know, we're really thinking about short shorter term, you know, liquidity. Um, and then for the, the stocks, you know, it has a totally other, uh, a, a totally other goal. So it's important to think about those kind of things. So Chip. Yeah. And um, everything is predicated on the financial plan, right? Yeah. So if you, you kind of take a 30,000 foot view at first, and then you kind of look, okay, well, we're going to allocate a certain amount to, um, you know, bonds. And then maybe a certain portion of that is, is, Know, at least for now, maybe you get a little bit in in money market just to earn a little a little bit of a uh, you know an interest rate that's that's pretty stable, and so and it's pretty good now. It's kind of nice to have that. I mean, mm-hmm. For the longest time, interest rates were zero, and so we had conservative investors that were just you know, and what do you do? That's you you have to increase risk in a portfolio to get higher than a you know a zero percent rate of return. And that's not something that's ideal. And so, but you're absolutely right. I mean, you, everything when it comes to this stuff needs to be, you know, it's, it's strategic and it's a component of your financial plan and is well thought out, you know, and as things happen, right. So, you know, you have to do a, a, a home repair or something. And so you use some of your emergency fund. Well, you kind of come up with a strategy to re, uh, replace that, to, to build that emergency fund back up over time. And so, you know, to me, that's, it's, it's all, everything's kind of interconnected in our world, right? So, I mean, you know, it's, it's the investment strategy is connected to the tax, you know, a person's tax situation, which is connected to their, you know, risk profile and other things. So, you know, everything's just kind of interconnected and uh, which is what makes it fun. And really, I think one of the things that uh, a good professional advisory team can, can help people um, figure out and, and come up with a, a plan that's that's appropriate for the client. Yep, totally agree. That's one of the most enjoyable parts of our job. Um, so, Chip, any uh, any any parting words? No, my only parting words is this is one of those things that you need to periodically evaluate. You know, if you have a savings account, you know, or a money market account, make sure that it's competitive. You know, if you're 
you know, if you can get um, a 1% higher rate just by making a small change in banks, absolutely it's worth your time to do that. And that's one of those things that you have to periodically review. And um, it's kind of like beneficiary designations or auto insurance coverage or things like that. You just need to periodically review it. You know, you may review it and realize you don't need to make a change or okay, but I don't want you to sit there and, you know, have a money market fund that yields zero when you could be getting, uh, you know, interest of three and a half or 4% at another institution. So don't let your, you know, I guess it's a lack of motivation maybe for making any of these decisions. You know, that's just something that needs to be uh, something on your checklist and a priority each year even. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Chip, as always, thank you so much for joining us here on Finance in a Flash. And um, also want to give a big thank you to our listeners. Um, If anything today kind of prompted a question to you, please ask us. We love hearing from our listeners. And um, we hope you'll stay tuned for our next episode, which will be coming out very soon. Uh, See you later.